Welcome to Gratitude, the grad school guide for student physical therapists. I'm Gabby. And I'm Sarah. And we are two physical therapy students on our journey to get that DPT debt free. And our vision for you is to get through PT school on your first try without any debt. Join us as we navigate through the insanity of physical therapy school together. Welcome all of you to another episode of Gratitude. And for today, we are changing things up a little bit. We are um, going to be talking about clinical cases. And for those of you who are on clinicals or uh, haven't had a clinical yet, um, or if you are waiting to go on your next clinical rotation, um, this is all for you. And we are really excited um, to present a very interesting patient case and if you're listening to this and you're seeing us, and if you're not in the Student Physical Therapist Network group, you all need to be in here. We go live every Friday or Saturday. Uh, usually Fridays um, have been the last few weeks and we come on live, you can see our video and uh, it's just fun interacting with all of you. So comment team live or team replay if you are in the group. And Sarah, I think you have it on your end. Yes, I do. If you guys comment, I can give you a little shout out here and you can see the beautiful backgrounds. I have some orange lights back here. I have a little drink here, some hard kombucha. I'm really excited about this. I don't know if anyone else likes kombucha, but that's how you say it, right? Kombucha. Kombucha. Yes. Kombucha. (laughs) (laughs) And so Gabby, first of all, updates. How was your week? What were you up to this week? Oh, this week was really really good. Um, this was week, oh goodness, this was week eight. Oh my gosh. So I have a 12 week clinical and I'm about to be on week nine. That's wild to say. So this week was really great. The other student who is with me, shout out to Garrison. Uh, he is awesome. And we've been able to, um, tag team patients and it's always nice to have a student to bounce ideas off of, especially when it comes to, um, exercise prescription and coming up with, you know, different exercises. So your patient still gets, um, the therapeutic benefit, but it's not boring. So that's been great to bounce off ideas. And, um, yeah, it's been going well. I am, um, I feel like a real, like a real PT, uh, and it's been fun. All the patients are great. So yeah, it's been a really good week. What about you, Sarah? First, what was the best part of your week, if you had to say it in one word? Um, If I had to say it in one word, um, progress. Ooh, okay. I like it. Yeah. What about you? To say it in one word? See, I'm unprepared. I throw these questions out and hope nobody asks them back to me, even though I do that to people all the time. Yes. Um, I think the one word for this week... I don't know. Can I get back to you? (laughs) Yeah. Go into how your week was and then it will come to you. Okay. (laughs) Um, So how was this week? This week was week 10. No, 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 not 10, not 10. I have four weeks left out of a 15 week rotation. This was the end of week. Help me out here. 10. Was it week 10 or on to you're going going 11, 11. 
Yeah. Because there's 15 weeks yeah. and have four left. <gasps> oh my gosh. We both this have is, four left. This is the end of week 11 of 15. Whoa. I just had a moment. Okay. And, uh, so it was really exciting this week. I think that being able to just take a patient caseload and be like, I feel like a normal grown PT. And I know I'm not, of course, I'm always learning more things, but I think as a physical therapist, you're always going to be learning. So I think that newness and like looking for more information is always going to be there. But I feel like I'm in a point where I feel okay with like what I'm doing and how I'm treating patients and they're actually getting better. I had a patient today. She was so cute. This little old lady, she's like 94 years old. We can talk about her later. And we were talking and it was the end of the treatment session. And my CI came over and was like talking to me about an in-service. And, you know, I did my in-service presentation today on pelvic health and inpatient rehab facility. Moral of the story, you shouldn't be putting people in diapers who don't need diapers, but I will not go on that side ramp. And the student was looked at, or not the student, my patient looked at me kind of confused, like, wait, are you a student? I thought you were a physical therapist. And I'm like, oh, you're so cute. I'm definitely not there yet, but thank you. <laughs> yes. I love it. Especially when patients give you those compliments. It's like, it just, I don't know. It's like, yeah, I'm, you know, it I feel like day. it makes your day. Yeah. That's awesome. And I know so many of you listening, if you had, I know you've probably had that moment or like you will have that moment and it just like, feel really good inside, but yes, that was this week and let's get into the case a little bit. So Gabby, you are in, I know we've said this a bajillion times, but talk about like where you're at for your clinical, uh, the setting and the kinds of patients you normally see, and then talk about like this particular case and let's get into it. Okay. So right now I am an outpatient ortho and the typical caseload that I'm seeing right now is, um, I would say older adults, anywhere 50 and over, um, right now. And, um, my caseload varies, um, from vestibular to neuro to, uh, ACL reconstruction, um, just different things. I, I've been definitely following up with more patients and some of my patients are being discharged. So I'm about to go through a next wave of taking, um, you know, initial evaluations and, following those patients through. And the case that I'm going to tell you about, uh, so I actually presented this, my uh, clinic does grand rounds and it's actually a really great experience because every week um, we have a student present a case and it can be MSK, it can be neuro, and it just gets you thinking. So I believe this past week was, um, I wanna say it was cervical radiculopathy and Achilles tendinopathy or tendinosis. So having those different cases makes you think, because if you have a patient, um, just going through like, you know, clinical prediction rules and, um, differentials. So it's actually really helpful, but I presented my grand rounds on this specific patient and her, uh, she is, I want to say in her late forties and we had her initial evaluation my first week. So I believe it was day three for me, um, day three or day four of my first week. And my CI and I were uh, evaluate or evaluating this patient. Um, she came to us for left-sided weakness. 
Um, and, you know, the first thing, especially looking at her chart and medical history, we were thinking it was, you know, post-stroke. Uh, so this patient had a procedure and she woke up and half of her body was numb and weak. And so, you know, the first thing you think is stroke. Uh, she had a, um, she had an MRI, she had a CT, everything was clear. And uh, from that point forward, her life changed after that procedure. So um, when we were evaling her, she presented and walked into the clinic with a walker. She had, um, you know, very like uh, her gait pattern was not great. Um, but, you know, with half of your body being weak, you could imagine that. Was she like um, vaulting or what was? Um, so she had, I want to say it was a right-sided trunk lean, um, foot drop, um, decreased like knee flexion, extension, everything on that left side. Um, so the right side was literally doing the work. Um, and so we went through the eval. I believe we did the Berg um, and we did another, let's just say tug. I think those were the two outcome measures. Um, and the thing with, you know, the thing with her that we were trying to figure out was the fatigue factor. Um, she did mention to us that she had a history of headaches and, you know, at the time we were just, you know, trying to think of things, um, to do with her because she did have impairment. So definitely weakness, strength, balance, like everything. Um, she required frequent rest breaks and the fatigue factor was the, the biggest thing. So later on that night, um, I did a little bit of research and I was like, I've never heard of this before. Um, so just thinking, you know, differential wise, like what could it be? Um, so Ooh, quick question. Yeah. Question. For those of you online, what else do you think it could be? Do you want to summarize what it was so far, Gabby? What were the symptoms and presentation? Yeah. So presentation was uh, right-sided headache, um, left-sided weakness from upper extremity to lower extremity. Uh, she had numbness in the left foot primarily. Um, and she, um, I'm trying to think what else. Was there it's changes hard. in sensation? I know it's been a while since you did this eval, but were there changes in her sensation on the left side? Yes, there were. Because mm. she actually subsequently burned herself while taking oh. something out of the oven. <laughs> oh, no. And she didn't feel it. Yeah. Oh, my. So, um, so yeah, that's what, that's what we were, you know, having. And our, our clinic is, you know, outpatient ortho. You will see neuropatients. However, usually... Um, you, it's, I guess for my CI and her clinic, it's very infrequent. So, um, that was day one. And so we, we gave her, I believe the first day HEP was, um, standing weight shifts. We gave her some sitting exercises. Um, so kind of both sitting and standing and the next, um, few times. So, like I said, differentials, like we didn't know what it was. If it wasn't a stroke, like what could it be? But one thing that I mentioned was headaches. And so she was getting migraines and I believe she said prior to this procedure, she didn't have any, you know, migraines. She wasn't having left-sided weakness. It all happened afterwards. 
So after doing some research, if um, Sarah, I don't know if anybody has commented yet, but I will reveal what the diag- <laughs> what I thought that the what I Go thought the ahead. diagnosis was. Reveal what you thought the diagnosis was. A few people are on. Thanks for coming on, Chanel and Leah. We appreciate you guys. Uh, Gabby, what was the uh, diagnosis? So the diagnosis um, was hemiplegic migraine. And for those of you thinking hemiplegic migraine, what, like putting those together, it is real. Like it's a thing. Um, it's very rare. And if you haven't heard of it, definitely look it up if you have a minute um, and ask your professors, because I know even my neuro professor hasn't treated a patient with hemiplegic migraines. So day one, after doing some research, I was like, this has to be it. So I presented it to my CI and she was like, well, this fits her um, symptoms. We weren't hundred percent sure because even her neurologist like didn't know what it was and she didn't receive an official diagnosis until later, but um, she did have multiple, she had um, after the first initial eval, I'm going to kind of fast forward. Um, she did have two more follow-up MRIs. She had an EEG and those all came back you know, clear, like nothing was, nothing very, um, you know, scary was noted. Um, so with, with her, um, going forward, you know, when she would come into the clinic, um, she would either be walking with her walker or not. Most recently she was ambulating into the clinic without the walker. There was a specific day that she was walking, like what looked like a normal, you know, it looked very, normal, definitely some gait deviations, but a lot better. And the thing is she walks into the clinic without her walker. She walks out with her husband has to bring it in because she is so fatigued. So about, let's say visit eight or nine, we did a progress note. Um, and what she said, she had blood work and she had a very, very, very like very low, extremely low vitamin B and D deficiency. And for those of you who don't know, cause I, I didn't realize this. Um, I can't remember if it's vitamin B or D off the top of my head, but one of them, um, uh, correlates with migraines. And so she was put on medication for that and to get those levels up. And, you know, she, she seemed better the only thing that was a little off to us, her proprioception when we were going through the Berg was off. Like she was just missing, like picking up an object. Um, some of the things are like stepping. It's like doing five, four or five step ups, whatever it is. And overall, like I said, she was doing better. Um, she requires contact guard or men assist for all standing activities. Usually if she doesn't have support. Um, and another thing that I noticed you know, with not using her, her muscles, she was getting more, um, edema in her lower extremities. Um, and like I mentioned, the numbness in her foot too, if she's standing for like over five or 10 minutes, she starts, she starts getting that intense numbness. Um, any questions so far? No, I think it's so interesting. And I'd love to hear from people who are on live. Have you guys had migraines yourselves or know someone who is affected by migraines? And if so, what has helped people with it? And if you haven't, you have to look up. I showed Gabby this video. I can't share it on Facebook because it'll take our video down. But it's this video of a news reporter who experienced a hemiplegic migraine on air, like 
live, just search like a uh, news reporter hemiplegic migraine and it'll be one of the first videos. It's kind of crazy. And mm-hmm. I just, cause we did talk about it in one class. We had like one piece. It was like a piece of a lecture. It wasn't even the whole lecture. It was like a few slides of the lecture about headaches and about different types and about migraines and hemiplegic migraines was one. I thought it was mm-hmm. so interesting because of course, first thing you think is stroke. Oh my God, this person had a stroke. Like we need to send them to emergency room. But I think it's important to take a step back and be like, wait, do all of these signs and symptoms match up with maybe the CT scans or whatever else that they're having, um, especially with like stroke specifically, right? So I think it's really interesting that you had an opportunity to still be treating, maybe. Are you still treating? Yes. So right now I have transitioned. I am working with other patients. However, we do have another student and, um, that student and the patient have been working together majority. So most recently, which was actually this week, um, she was, uh, we have stand-up desks just, you know, for the clinic to move around. Um, and, uh, they were working on tic-tac-toe because her, we've been working on grasping too, because like I said, hand, all the way through like legs and toes are weak. Oh. Um, so they were playing tic-tac-toe. And so I was um, holding her foot because the other thing she goes into um, when she gets tired, her foot goes into eversion or inversion, excuse me. So I was trying to keep her foot down um, because she doesn't notice it. Like it just happens because it's weak. Um what were you going to say, Sarah? You said, oh. What was the procedure, if you know? Do you remember what it was? It was a colonoscopy. Oh, so very unrelated. <laughs> yeah. And I want to bring this up. Um, so this is thanks to Therospecs. I did use them in my presentation. Um, but this is me uh, referencing their, um, what do you call it? Uh, just a template. So usually symptoms, you have a motor aura. Um, Usually it's the temporary weakness and sensory visual. um, You could have speech related as well, um, plus traditional migraine symptoms. So it can be very uh, scary. And, you know, some days have been great. Some days have not been great. So we've just been working with that and hopefully we're getting more answers Um, but she does report most recently that she's getting more twitching. She's getting more like tingling back. So she definitely feels like she's getting back to her normal self. Um, she has not returned to work and she is, um, you know, she, she has, um, kids. So like she needs to take care of her family and, um, you know, do things. So that is, uh, that is kind of the summary. So I'll have to give you guys updates, but. Um, yeah, very interesting case that you don't encounter often. That's for sure. And for the people who are like, oh, I don't need to know this one lecture in this one small class, <laughs> you might be surprised, you know, save all those notes because you may be referring back to it when you have a patient. You're like, I don't know what the heck is going on with this person because they're presenting one way and it's not how I anticipated. So I think mm-hmm. it's just really cool to chat about it. And so basically like your treatment, like your plan of care is, um, a lot of like things you would do post-stroke too, because you have the hemiplegia. And so you're working on like, are you working on some balance, some like motor 
control and neuromuscular yeah. re-ed and that kind of stuff? Yeah, we have been. And actually, um, I just went over again, uh, studying PNF. And so I suggested to the other student, like, Hey, try some PNF with her and, um, we'll know more next week. Cause he wasn't able to do it, um, this week, but, uh, just incorporating that as well. Some of the PNF techniques. Um, so yeah, we'll see, we'll see how, how that goes. And yeah, it's just really cool. Like incorporating neuro re-ed balance, um, strength, you know, kind of just waking up those muscles and they're there, but, uh, we're just, we're working on that and it's a slow process. Um, so one thing I want to reiterate too, is you definitely need to, um, you know, be very, uh, what is it called? Um, real world, uh, application. And when you're doing your patient education, if, you know, your patients are like, Oh, I want to go back to running and doing this. And they're like, I want to do this next week. You got to say, okay, let's reverse. Let's hold (laughs) hold reverse engineer, reverse engineer. I was going to say that. (laughs) Um, so really telling them having those small progressions is going to be really important and not rushing into things because, you know, explaining to them, I don't want you to be sore for, you know, two to three days plus, and you go back to, or, you know, regress back. Um, so that's been a really huge thing. Patient education can't say that enough for any patient that you treat. Uh, so that's been really important throughout the plan of care. I think that's really difficult because it's a fine line, right? You want to not take their hope away. Like they're so hopeful. They're like, I'm so motivated, which is a great place to be. And like, I'm going to do this next week, but they don't know the healing process. They don't know exactly what's going on in their bodies. They're coming to you for that. So you've got to be able to educate them in a way that's not destroying their hope, but still being realistic and saying, you know, you can get back to this, but maybe not next week. (laughs) Maybe we you know, do these other things, hit these other goals that will lead you to that goal. And once you can do X, Y, Z, we can then progress to ABC, whatever it may be. Exactly. And Sarah, I bet that you've had to do that patient education too in the inpatient setting. (laughs) (laughs) It's very difficult with patients who, and many of you know, like if you've been in inpatient rehab, um, not all the patients are cognitively there. And so when you have a patient with cognitive impairments and you're trying to do patient education, it's important to kind of know where they're at. Right. And so it's definitely a challenge. I think if I could go back to being in PT school and if I could practice anything more, it would be this, it would be practicing. How do I tell my patient and not my classmate or my professor what's going on? like talking to family members or talking to friends who are not in healthcare whatsoever. Like, well, what the heck you're doing before you do it? And what is the anticipated effect of your treatment or intervention or whatever it may be? That was a big, big challenge um, to kind of switch to as soon as clinicals Mm -hmm. hit. It's like, I have this, all this info that's like all floating around. I don't really know how it all connects. And I see this patient and I'm trying to connect all the info, but I can't communicate what I know to them in a way that they are receiving it. Exactly. And that's, that's the thing too, because your CIs, you'll catch yourself. It happens. I caught myself today, uh, saying something PT terms and, um, your patient saying like, 
I think I know what you mean, but I don't know what you mean. So that communication part is so important. And even just pause and take a minute if you're explaining the healing process or, you know, a lot of times patients will say, how long will this take? How long will this be? And, you know, explaining what's going on, um, but not being too detailed because then they, they just don't care. Like my CI just told me, you know, you don't have to over-educate. That's one thing that I've been finding myself doing over-educating in very simple terms, but the patient doesn't care. Like they, they really could care less. So it's the patients who ask a lot of questions, you know, still educate, but you don't have to go overboard. (laughs) Um, And as long as you're getting your point across and being very uh, sufficient um, and clear, then, then that's what's important. And it's a hard transition because you're all used to taking a practical and having to explain every single step that you're doing to your professor while you're doing it on a fake patient, which is probably your classmate or an undergrad, mm-hmm. or I don't know who else you do it on, maybe animals, if you're still in, you know, Zoom University right now. And so it's a challenge, not going to lie, especially when you also are trying to maybe talk to your CI about a patient interaction later on. And you're, you're translating, right? You have to be a good translator. You're translating from this patient language, which can be different, right? Some patients do really care. Some patients are in healthcare. Some patients want to know more. And of course you're going to educate them more, right? If they're asking more, keep doing the education, but if they're not, and they're like, this is sufficient for me, you know, they don't verbalize that, but you can see when someone starts to zone out, they'll be like, okay, I'm overloading you. Like, this is enough. We're going to move on from here. This is how we're going to reach your goals. Does that sound good? Yes. Okay. Let's keep going. (laughs) Yep, exactly. So we wanted to present this to all of you. And if you like stuff like this and you want to hear more uh, cases for the duration that we are in clinical uh, from Sarah, who is an inpatient and myself, who I said earlier, I'm an outpatient. Let us know if you enjoy this and we would love to um, do one or two more before we are done. So Sarah, if you are good with it, we can definitely, uh, do another one or two cases. There are some interesting ones and it's super weird. Oops. As I smack my microphone, it's super weird to come on here and talk about this. I feel like you and I, we've been doing this for so long, like the podcast. I mean, not PT clinicals, you know, this is only our first long-term one or a second long-term one, whatever you want to qualify it as, but we don't really come on here and talk about clinical cases because there's a fine line of like, okay, how much can we share? Can we be talking about this? And also, obviously I shouldn't have to put this disclaimer in here, but we are not your professors. This is just two students having a conversation about the questions that we're thinking and the process, like the thinking process that we're going through for our current patients during our clinical rotations. Mm -hmm. And so I am a little, (laughs) it's like a little nerve wracking for me to come on here, but I think it's so helpful for you guys to hear, especially I have a patient right now. Maybe we can talk about her later, but, um, she's a 94 year old woman and she's so cute. And she's literally just here, like at the inpatient rehab facility because of two things, post COVID and UTI. And I am not normally on the team that deals with, um, cardiac, there's like different teams and I'm normally not the cardiac team. I'm still not, but sometimes I get those evaluations. And so 
I had her today. And it was really interesting because we can go into that later, but post-COVID patients are interesting. I will end it at that period. Maybe we can talk about that another day. Um, yeah. But you guys seriously be safe out there on that mm-hmm. note. This is the second wave of COVID. We shouldn't have to say this, but it's the second wave of COVID and it's not leaving anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So be safe. Wear and, your mask. Yeah, wear your mask. Gabby, do you guys have, so you cannot treat post-COVID patients, right? Currently, unless you are approved by clinical education, you cannot for now. I think that's so interesting because I brought that up today during my rotation with some other students and they're like, oh yeah, we cannot either. Like Mm -hmm. liability. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't know about you guys on listening in, or if you have classmates or friends or whoever, um, check in with them be like, Hey, are you allowed to treat post COVID patients? And has your school even said anything? Because I know my school hasn't said anything, but I don't know. I think it's so Mm -hmm. interesting. Like we're in such a weird time. It's November 6, 2020, for those of you listening in the future. And so we'll just see what happens from here. But yeah, yeah, it's really curious. And we'll see what happens with the election. We won't get all political in this episode, but honestly, we should in the future. Because as my shirt says, wait, can you see it? Social issues are healthcare issues. Let's be honest, guys. You can't separate everything. And so we'll have to come on again and chat coming up soon. Yes. We hope you have a great night and subscribe, like, share the podcast out with your classmates, friends, and we will see you all next week. Oh, and if you want to do a review, if you guys like the episode, or even if you hated it, you still give us a review and it still gets us more listeners. So just share this out. Give us a review no matter what it is. It doesn't matter. Truly, just be honest because it's going to help us grow from here. And that's the best way that you guys could help us out is to just write a review on iTunes or wherever and uh, share a favorite episode with somebody. But yes, that's all for real. <laughs> okay. Bye guys. See you next week. Looking for a gift for a friend, classmate, professor, co-host of a podcast, or really anyone? Physio Memes got your back with apparel, drinkware, and home decor. And if you go to physiomemes.com, you can get a 20% off coupon with the code gratitude spelled G-R-A-D-I-T-U-D-E-2020. And don't forget to check out his social media for a good study break laugh. As always, make life humorous. Thanks for listening to Gratitude, the grad school guide for student physical therapists. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our Instagram and Facebook page linked in the description.